you know. And Thank you. A Methodist, a Catholic, a Lutheran walk into a bar. I'm not going there. I'm, I might go to the bar, but I don't know about but that joke. Where's the punchline? I don't, uh, like I said, I wasn't asking for a good joke, but I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I was a little flustered by this, but hey, let's, let's press the reset button. And um, by the way, my name's Andrew. I have the privilege to be the associate pastor here at Emmaus Road Church. Uh, I just jumped into this community back in July, and so uh, grateful for this faith family here at Emmaus Road, uh, but also for all of you here in DeWitt. I see some familiar faces. I've seen some of you at Mezcal and at Hall of Fame and, and other places that I won't mention that you probably don't want me to mention, but I'll, I'll keep those uh, to myself. But it's good to see uh, you guys here. And, and this is really good for me as, as, a, as a Lutheran pastor who is the son of another Lutheran pastor. Uh, this reminds me of our Sunday night services that we used to have just growing up. We would go to church Sunday morning and then get together and have another service on Sunday night. And so this is, this is good. This is nostalgic. But this is good for the, for the body. Uh, and this, this evening, I, I almost said this morning, uh, this evening, uh, I want to share with us a text. Um, I had planned originally to speak from 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It's probably one of the ones that you've heard before. Like, give thanks to God in all circumstances, right? For this is the will of God for yours in Christ Jesus. And I was sitting there, and I'm like... This is good. I was jotting down some ideas, but uh, just was kind of falling short and just wasn't, wasn't feeling it. And, and just landed on a text last night that I think uh, is fitting. And it's uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn there. This, the words are going to be up there on the screen as well. Um, but I think as we, as we look at this text from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church gathered in Corinth. He's not just He's not just writing to one local church. He's writing to the church at large there in Corinth, all of the groups that have kind of started to gather and meet and worship Jesus. And so I think we can, we can substitute uh, this idea to the church in Corinth, to the church right here in DeWitt. And this is the word of the Lord to us here tonight. Paul writes this, to the church of God in Corinth, to the church of God right here in DeWitt. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of the grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word to us. We need you to speak. You. So do the work that you need to do, Lord. Come and, and ultimately point us to Jesus. That's who we want to see tonight. That's who we want to hear from tonight. So Spirit, do that work in us. We need you. Oh, we need you. And we will give you thanks. Amen. Now, I know this is the, the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, but I personally believe that Thanksgiving kind of gets the shaft this time of the year. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it really does get the shaft. Unfortunately, Thanksgiving has just kind of been jammed into a bunch of holidays at this time of the year uh, that we simply have called this time of the year called, right? What? The, the holidays. Uh, everybody starts to kind of get geeked out about Halloween and they get dressed up and, and they kind of all the way goes to, to New Year's and, and it just, Thanksgiving just kind of gets mashed in there with all the rest. And so by now, we're really waist deep in this time of the year, but, um, but we shouldn't be, but we shouldn't be but we are. Uh, I actually saw somebody tweet out this week uh, something on Thanksgiving. It should be up there on the screen. Do we have that up there, Joel? No? The next slide up there? Did it freeze? Oh, no. Not that one. Go back one. There you go. Jumping the gun, but that's all right. Um, I, I saw this. This is really good. Thanksgiving is to Christmas like John the Baptist is to Jesus. It's just the predecessor of something greater to come, right? Like, we, we all love Thanksgiving. We do. There's a lot of reasons that we like Thanksgiving. Uh, but Thanksgiving kind of just is around, and, and it kind of just gets people excited because they know that Christmas is just right around the corner. And, you know, even the old rule that you don't even get to think about Christmas parties and Christmas gifts and and, and songs and decorations until Black Friday, that's way, way gone. If you're old enough to remember, that was kind of sacrilege. That was just really morally reprehensible to start too early. And now that's just been completely blown out of the water. And I realize as I'm saying that, I'm standing next to a Christmas tree <laughs> and poinsettias and decorations here. And as you walked in, um, and I won't ask you if you've already done that in your house. I've done that in mine. Um, but uh, we, we actually just did this today. The church kind of gathered together because the first Sunday of Advent's next Sunday, and nobody wants to come back into church to decorate uh, right after Thanksgiving. And so we just decided we were going to do that today. But, but you know, it, it really is, it really is this, this, this holiday that just kind of gets bypassed altogether. In fact, go to the next slide, Joel. There's that picture. Look at this picture. This is my brother Dave and his wife, Michelle. Um, Michelle's birthday is is actually Halloween night, so it's Halloween day, and so this is a picture that was taken and posted up on Facebook on Halloween night, and uh, everybody was focused on my brother Dave because, well, Dave is bald. Most of you guys don't know Dave. Dave is completely bald, like ball bald, and so he's got a wig on, so everybody on Facebook is posting about his wig and, and all this kind of stuff. Nobody is mentioning about what they're standing in front of. <laughs> it's a Christmas tree, man. And, 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 I, and I pointed it out, and they said, no, Andrew, no, it's, it's our autumn tree. <laughs> oh, is there such a thing? Autumn tree? I said, you could put peanut butter and jelly on a pizza. It's still a pizza. <laughs> like, there's no such thing as an autumn tree. Um, but Thanksgiving, it's just what a slap in the face to Thanksgiving all around. But as you go home tonight, you're just going to see this, right? You've already seen it. Lights are up, and Santa's already bowing down to Jesus in front yards, Christmas music is playing on the radio 24-7. Commercials have started. The Hallmark movie binge is in full swing, right? I see the head shaking. So, so we, are, we are in it. We are in it. And I have to believe that if God lets me live till I'm about 80 or so, which is I'm 40 now, so another 40 years, we'll be, we'll be cranking up this whole Christmas thing in July. Because just in my short time of life, like, it's just been pushed up a couple weeks or so. And so eventually, I'm afraid that we're going to say stuff to each other like, Happy Independence Day, and people are going to shout back, Merry Christmas, I mean, Happy Fourth. Like, it's just, it's just going to go there. It's just going to get pushed back further and further and further. And, and of all of the end-of-the-year holidays, it totally, it totally gets the shaft. But I love Thanksgiving. 
And I've actually talked to a lot of people in town this week that love Thanksgiving too, but, but mixed in with all the excitement about this holiday, some really interesting things came in in those conversations. I heard a lot of complaints that, that the house was a complete mess, and they were stressed out that they have to get the house ready for the big gathering. Like, you can't just have Thanksgiving dinner in a messy house. It's got to be all nice and neat and tidy. And so they were really stressed out because the house is a complete mess. Or, or others were talking about how anxious they were about the actual get-together itself because their family situation was kind of a mess. And, and so they already started like putting out the preemptive olive branches out to family members so it wasn't so stressful when they actually came to the house. And then there were still others who were concerned about this holiday season altogether, and they were wondering how it's all going to turn out financially. Because their financial situation is, you guessed it, a mess. Gang, we don't like messes, do we? In fact, we work hard to avoid messes. We work hard to clean them up as soon as they come. But the truth is, you and I have this amazing ability to mess things up. We do. Like our superpower is to destroy everything that comes in our path. And so in addition to our houses and our relationships and our finances, man, we mess up our cars, right? Like the carpets get stained and maybe the seats get ripped and the fenders get get knocked in a little bit. And we mess up our bodies by eating too much and not exercising enough. Maybe we drink too much or smoke a couple packs, whatever. Like all this kind of stuff that we do to our bodies. And yeah, I'm even going to go there tonight. I'm even going to go there because we as, as a group of churches here in DeWitt have gathered together in one place. Sometimes we even make a mess of our churches. Finding the desires of our our me-sized kingdoms more attractive than the glories of his kingdom. And what a shame that is. And the list could go on and it can go on and it can go on. And I don't know if you've realized this or not, but the Bible is just full of stories where people messed up again and again. For those of you who don't know, the Bible is not just a full of, of a lot of noble characters who, just, who, who made all the right choices all the time, right? Far from it. And I think the reason the people of the Bible just look and they sound so familiar is because they have a lot of the same attitudes that we have, and they act the same way that we act so often. But here's the beautiful thing about being uh, you know, about, about the messy people being in the Bible is that God's plan of redemption continued despite their messiness. Amen? It's something that they couldn't destroy no matter how many messy mistakes that they made. Redemption was and still is, thank God, rooted in God's faithfulness towards us, not our faithfulness towards him. Praise God for that. And what I am most thankful for this year, what I am choosing to celebrate and to be thankful for this week, and, and that's a choice that we have to make, is, is what God is actually doing for us. And that's, again, a choice that we have to make that doesn't come natural to us. We're not inclined to lift our eyes and to give thanks to God in all circumstances. We're not inclined to lift our eyes and say, thank you, Lord, that my mess is not too messy for you. And as a pastor, I have found myself just really resting more and more in the truth of 2 Timothy 2.13. It's up there on the screen, which reads this. If we are faithless, 
God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. What a promise. Because, gang, I don't know if you can confess this about yourself or not, but I am one jacked-up sinner that is in constant need of God's amazing grace. And truth be told, so are you. If you didn't know, the Corinthian church was a literal mess as well. A mess. After establishing a growing church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul, he went on to spread the gospel in other cities. And, and after he left, they really, they really started brewing in some, some trouble and some stupid, stupid, idiotic mistakes. The Corinthian believers there, they were engaging in some seriously shady and messed up things. And, and we're told that, that it was a bunch of, of sexual promiscuity going on there in the church. And, and they were introducing false teachings there in the church. And they were actually getting drunk with, with communion wine there in the church. And they were actually denying the, the resurrection of Jesus. And they were quarreling with each other and settling it by lawsuits and all this kind of stuff. These guys were far from a church that was all about demonstrating and declaring God's inexhaustible grace to exhausted people. The Corinthian believers were in a downward spiral in a host of sins. And so when a few of the church members, they went to actually tell Paul what was going on when they spilled the beans and told him everything, after hearing that and, and, and knowing what the true state of the church was there in Corinth, Paul just pens this letter of 1 Corinthians to them. Now, it would be reasonable, it would be really reasonable for us to assume that the Apostle Paul would start off with criticism and correction, right? That, that it would be reasonable to assume that it would just be a straight-up rebuke, that they would get a good old butt-whooping from their spiritual father, the Apostle Paul. But that's not how he opens. Instead, to our great surprise, the Apostle Paul pens the words that we read. Let me remind you, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. What? What? Did he just say that this group of jacked up sinners, people who had made such a mess of their own lives and a mess of their own church, that they're sanctified? Is that a typo in my Bible? If you actually have your Bibles open, let me ask you, what, is, what does yours say? Perhaps mine's a misprint, like it happens. Like when I was younger, when I was younger, I would collect baseball cards, and sometimes they'd have like the wrong team on there, the wrong player's name, maybe the wrong stat or the wrong position. Maybe my Bible is a misprint. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe you have something else. Maybe yours says like to those idiots and phonies. What does yours say? Sanctified? Really? Holy ones? Really? Here's why I think this is amazing, gang. This is what causes me to lift my eyes and say thank you to the Lord over and over again. The Apostle Paul sees this group of messed up Christians as they are declared to be in Christ Jesus, not as their sinful mess would suggest. Amen? Now, this doesn't mean that the Apostle Paul excuses or diminishes their sin in any way whatsoever, because if you read the rest of the letter, he really is extremely disappointed in their witness both individually and as a faith family. 
But the point, before, the point of, of all of this is, is that before we can actually put sin to death in us, as the Apostle Paul talks about in Colossians 3, before we can actually address our sin problem and our sin issue, we have to be reminded of and we have to be firmly rooted in our new identity in Christ. If you read the letters of Paul in the New Testament, he is a master at this. He does this over and over and over again. This wasn't just a one-off. And the reason is because he knew that straight-up moralistic preaching and moralistic teaching without first grounding it in the gospel, it actually leads to two things. It leads to a false sense of self-righteousness, that you're not in need of God's grace whatsoever, or it leads to despair, that your sinfulness is beyond what God's grace can forgive. Bottom line, the Apostle Paul knew that moralistic preaching and teaching produces undesired results. Because both of those outcomes causes the listener to look at themselves instead of Jesus. That's why Paul starts off first reminding them of who they are in Christ. So, so what is a sanctified person anyway? In our popular understanding, we tend to use it to describe those who are, are holy and righteous and clean. In one sense, this is true. It's absolutely true. There's no doubt about that. But that status, gang, it isn't based on their own work of cleaning themselves up. It isn't based on their own work of abstaining from all kinds of sins so that they can somehow arrive and achieve at some level of righteous perfection. No, it's based on Christ's work for them. And the forgiveness of their sin by grace through faith in him. That's what verse 4 in our text is driving at. Someone who is sanctified is simply someone who has been saved by God through the finished work of Jesus. Someone who is forgiven of all of their sin, past, present, and yes, even future. And someone who is cleansed from all of their messiness and given the actual purity of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be sanctified. Yes, the Corinthians are a mess, but that doesn't mean they are beyond the reach of God's grace. And get this, gang, neither are you. Neither are you, and neither am I. Thank God for that. In fact, in spite of their sin and their many struggles and all of their messes, we read this in verse 8, that the Lord will sustain them to the end And that they will be found guiltless. Guiltless on the day of Christ Jesus. How amazing is that? Did you hear the good news in there? I hope so. That the sin mess that, that you have made and can't clean up, God can. And in Christ Jesus, he has. Gang, that's a message. That's a message, if you believe it, that's a message that DeWitt needs to hear. Because even in my first, first four months, short months of being here, I've heard so many people that have not heard about this message. People who have even walked in to churches, and I'm not saying in here, but worked in churches their whole life. And they're like, what, what's this Christianity thing all about? So if you believe this tonight, please, please share this message. If you're a Christian here tonight, you need to be reminded that even though you are a mess, you are not your mess. 
In God's eyes, you are sanctified. You are holy, righteous, and clean. In other words, you are a beautiful, beautiful mess. So what does that mean? For you and for me, it means security. It means hope. It means a future. No, it doesn't mean that you could just go out of here and do anything you want to do. No, that's a horrible violation of the grace that God has given you, according to Romans 6. But it does mean that you've been sanctified by God, that you've been welcomed into a relationship, something that you can never, ever mess up, no matter how great your ability is to mess up everything else around you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's something to be thankful for. And if you agree, and I sure hope you do, I encourage you to lift your eyes up to the heavens. Even right now, this week, for the rest of your days, say thank you, Lord. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to it. You think on that. Let's pray. Our sin is great, but your grace is greater. Man, I pray that we wouldn't get tired of that message. Heavenly Father, I know that I don't always think about it, and I am sorry for that. I confess my sin and my shortcomings in that, and I know I'm not alone in that confession. But remind us, remind us over and over again that when we are not faithful, you are. And may that spur us on to love and good deeds with those that we come in contact with. We pray this all in the name of Jesus and all God's people said.